Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today in the show, we've got um, my wonderful friend, um, Meg Andrew. Uh, she is a poet. Uh, she goes by the poet name Jem Rue, which is uh, Meg backwards and the last three letters of, <laughs> I know I just spell that for a second, <laughs> last three letters of her last name. Um, I was, I actually, uh, we came in contact, uh, through here at High Fest Studio, and, um, it's really great to, um, finally get to sit down and just talk to her about finally. her creativity and everything like that, uh, and shoot the shit. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, of course. Yeah. Anything for you. Oh my god. <laughs> like coffee. Yeah, and she brought us Starbucks, which is very nice of her. Um, she got me my, uh cold foam cold brew, which uh, <laughs> I have missed. I used to work at Starbucks for a year and a half, and um, I used to get these all the time. It's great to finally have it again. Shit. Ooh. I missed the cold brew. And, and what are you drinking, Meg? Drinking s'mores. Uh, frappuccino? Yeah. I oh. don't. What's a frappuccino? Um, <laughs> it's like a milkshake. It's dead. <laughs> yeah. But you have the decaf kind. Yeah, because I'm trying to cut back on caffeine. Yeah, can I have a sip? Yeah, sure. Oh, oh my god, I'm Tell me if there's too. caffeine in there. <laughs> I don't want to be tricked. Oh my god. Mm. <laughs> That's a little more than a sip. Yeah, Thank you. Oh, those two, sorry. But, no, um, so, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk about love and fear. Okay. And we talk about how those driving forces um, inspire us to create and be passionate and basically make sense of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I think, um, you know, poets have a really unique way of, of, you know, they have obviously a way with words, but they also have just kind of um, really unique and powerful perceptions of the world, kind of making very eloquent, uh, you know, um, nomenclature and wordage to describe feelings and, and situations and, you know, your surroundings and everything like that. So that's why I'm really excited to just hear from you. So, um, so I guess to start, um, I want to know about what made you decide to become a poet growing up. Okay. I started when I was 16. I was at this camp called Camp Buckskin and it's for ADHD kids and kids with Asperger's, which I'm actually high functioning in both. And uh, I started out writing because I was depressed. I was, I felt stuck. I was, um, it was just, actually I think I was 14, but one of those years. Sure. Um, between those times. And I started out because I was suffering with depression and I just wrote to kind of get it away. Yeah. And it was very, like, very dark poetry. And then I kind of developed over time and I got a little, like, through my life. I mainly write about mental health. Uh, other people's experience, my experiences, and so on. A variety of things. Sure. So, um, I guess, like, uh, when you say dark poetry, like, uh, what, how, like, how would you, like, uh, elaborate on that? It was depressing. Well. It was very sad. And it was, like, I was actually struggling with my life in general, like, mm -hmm. ending it, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. And I just wrote, like, 
like I wish I could find him and just like be like, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I I remember um, I was a very very upset and depressed kid when I was fifteen, and I remember. I actually forgot about this for a while until now, until recently, but I used to have like a little diary thing and um, I remember like I was going through so much emotional instability and like would write just the most awful things uh, in that diary, like just about how much I hated my life, how much, you know, I just didn't want to be on the planet, how much I hated everybody, how much... You know, I feel like everyone hates me, shit like that. Um, and I remember finding it a couple years later and like, I was like, holy shit, this is horrible. Like, this is depressing. I don't want this. So I threw it away. Oh. And I, I, I just did not want to like think about that time in my life again because it was okay. just so dark, you know? And it was like, I don't want someone to come across this and think I'm this completely like, you know, just like maniac, you know? I totally get that. Like. When past things come up to me, I'm like, I hope no one finds out about that. Yeah. But it's like now with my poetry, I express it differently. Like PTSD, anxiety, depression, I express it differently. Not through just like uh, pity me, but I express it through art and yeah. creativity. Sure. So when did, I guess, uh, it start becoming, I guess, where did you start lifting yourself out of that and finding more ways to write about things that uplift yourself? When I was starting figuring out how to manage my uh, my mental health and figuring out like when the depression started to lift, when I became older and more like in tune with my instincts and my uh, my personal vibe, mm-hmm. and it's just it was really cool that my poems have like developed over the years. I just wish I could see how far along I've come, but with, with my poetry. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, tell me about the first time you shared it with somebody. Oh gosh. <laughs> they didn't understand it. Because <laughs> it was just like, they were like, Meg, this is called The World is Ending. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, it was just really dark. Mm-hmm. And my, I actually shared it to a camp counselor. And wow. she was like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, this sounds like, uh, like the apocalypse is nigh type <laughs> shit. Of my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I imagine, like, that can be a challenge to anyone who has, like, a creative outlet that they're starting out with, experimenting with, where, like, it's always that sort of, um, that bridge from keeping it internal or keeping it personal to you to sharing it with somebody and being like, hey, this is what I've been working on, you know, I don't know if I want to share it with somebody yet. I don't know if I'm ready or how they're going to perceive it and stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess like, um, when you start, like when you started writing more stuff about like your, um, stuff that I, I guess was starting to resonate with people. Like, how did you get, I guess, like start, um, being more comfortable sharing it with people and where you felt people were starting to actually relate to it more. My portrait? Um, it depends on the poem of what I want to share, and if, like, it depends on the person. Like, I have written poetry for my friend's struggles, and I've shared that to them, and been like, here, have an uplifting poem, because I have faith in you, I love you. And it depends on the person if they're grateful or not, kind of thing, and 
Um, it's really scary to share poetry at first because it's your poetry and you don't know how they're going to take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, have you like, uh, performed like in front of people and shit? It's scary. Yes, I have. Uh, like not a lot though. I wish I could Mm -hmm. do more, but I just need to find that, like, I'm good at public speaking and stuff in a sense, but it's like when it's something from the heart, it's just like, you need more confidence. Sure. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, I need to find my inner confidence. Yeah. I have enough to share. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess like, um, what does your writing process look like? Um, do you kind of just write as you feel just as, as things come to you or do you like actually sit and think like, okay, I need to write something. It comes to me and it's just like, actually a little bit of both. Like if I'm writing something for like a friend, I'm just like, think. And then I'm like, and then on the side, I could be driving. I'm like, I have CarPlay, which is like a hands-free thing. So I'm like, hey Siri, take note, da da da. And so I'd- Playing all songs. Don't play all- Oh wow, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't play that. (laughs) Shit, that was perfect. Siri activated. See? Yeah, you you said it. So <laughs> whoops. That was iconic. Um, sure. So um, so anyway, so like uh, as you were saying. Yes, and so I just kind of take note on there if I think of some lines, or I just like write it down like instantly. I'm like, remember this. The worst part is when it's like three in the morning and you're just like, oh, I thought of that, and you don't remember it the next mm-hmm. day. Yeah, I always have to, that's why I keep so many notes in my phone, like, um, I keep, like, whether it's, um, an idea I have, or if I come across a movie, like, I need to watch, or if I, you know, I use it a lot for, like, organizing what episodes I'm doing when, and with who, and who I want to reach out to have on the show, like, um, organizational purposes, it's great, but, and that's why, like, I like, I don't know, it's nice because I, it helps me never forget that thing when I like, I, like I never, I can't like go to sleep if I have something that's like on my mind that like I have to write down, like yeah. I'll always have to like put it in my phone and then like come back to it later just so I remember it. Yeah, I totally get that. When I was in boarding school for um, help with PTSD, uh, oh gosh, that was heck, total crazy, like. That was definitely my hell on earth. Really? But yeah, and I would, but the girls that I went to school with were so close now. We're like a family, but back sure. then it was like, yeah, I can to imagine. Some, yeah, because we lived together for so long. And then, um, so basically I would wake up in the middle of the night, I'd be like, I need to write this down. And then I couldn't because I couldn't get out of bed or like, it was a struggle like when you can't take a note mm-hmm. or like have something in your mind, you have to write down. Sure, yeah. I hated that so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, are you, like, uh, so when, I guess, like, um, when it comes to, um, like, uh, like, I guess, balancing, like, your, your, like, because right now, like, I imagine, like, it's just kind of a hobby for you. Yeah, I want it to be published. Sure, yeah, so, I guess, like, um, like, what, what are your like goals with that and like you know i guess what do you feel like you need to do for yourself in order to achieve that 
I do need to improve on certain things, like how people take my poems, but I know it's from my heart and still write it so other people understand it. Like, not like make it, okay, how do I explain this? Make it so it's just relatable. That's the word. Mm -hmm. So it's relatable and I'm an advocate for lots of things and so people know that, hey, she's there, she's understanding kind of thing of certain situations mm -hmm. in my poetry. And something I want to do in the future with this is I do want to get out there more, maybe write a few songs for people uh, and just continue doing and improving on it. Sure. So you do music too? Kind of. Um, I have written a few songs, but they're all right. Okay. I still need to work on that too. I want to hear some. <laughs> do you want me to show you? Um, well, Eventually. Yeah, yeah. But I do want to actually, uh, if you'd be willing to share uh, some poetry, I, I would love for you to uh, share uh, on the show a couple of your original pieces. All right. I'll just get my phone out again. Sure. Don't activate yeah. Siri. It's fast. My mom has the new Oh, no. Um, notes. You drink that so fast. Usually I'm like a tugger. I, I drink that you really drink fast. That. Oh yeah. my gosh, you were that tired. I don't sit down. Well, I also just don't like really, I'm, I don't set a drink down for like a long time once I've started drinking it. I just have to keep picking up I and know. Shit. That's why I get drunk so easily. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Um, Alright. There's um, there's some, there's a variety here. You can pick one if you like. All right, um, but that means you have to read it. Oh, okay. Um, I expected you to. Just kidding. Oh well, I can't uh, read it with the eloquence that uh, <laughs> that. And then I'll explain the story behind. All right, tell me about Crush. Or okay. Do Crush. Oh my god, I was worried you would pick this one. No, I was kidding. Um, so there was this guy I liked, and he didn't. He was a good friend of mine. I actually showed him this poem, and he did not even take it as like anything. He was like, oh, I like it. I was like, it's about you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even tell yeah. him. That. This was like a while back though. And so Crush is basically about how I felt invisible around him. Crush, you're so sweet. The way you don't see me right in front of you, you probably will never realize. You tell yourself these lies. Now we are just wasting time. How cute that you'll never let me love you. Eventually, you and me, but that's okay. Just friends, they say. You don't like me and you don't have to. Just me, it's true. You say, hey, not realizing it's me. Most likely meant to be. What are you looking for? Open those pretty eyes of yours. See what I'm, see what you think and more. That I'm not nothing. Let's make this a thing. I wouldn't mind. Let this, yet this is a dream of mine. Yet, yeah, that's fine. I'll just go on living life. Like prior, soon to be a blur. I kind of stumbled a little, sorry. That's okay. It's beautiful. Hey, that's awesome. Thank you. I, yeah, I mean. I haven't read this poem in a while, that's why. Sure. Like out loud. But that's yeah. like, um, I think it speaks a lot to like a lot of that ambiguity you have with somebody that, you know, you feel something for, but you also okay. like, you know, you might have like a friendship with them, yeah. but you don't want to like, you're afraid of taking like that, um, that, um, like taking that extra step with them mm -hmm. and jeopardizing a friendship. Cause like, you don't know how it's going to go when you make that jump. Yes. You don't know if they're just going to like, 
not be interested and then like look at you weird and like it's just not the same but you also don't know if you know you know if it if like you do if they do end up be willing to try it out mm-hmm. but like once you try that out it's like it's really really hard to turn back yeah and make it back to like a platonic friendship yeah i've done that before with several girls and it is not always a wise move <laughs> no like he i don't know how he feels but how he felt i should say because i don't have a crush on him anymore but sure. he totally friends on me i i now kind of turned around to friends on him so sure but what's meant to be will happen I right by that yeah and i mean like i'm a firm believer that like you can try something out like if your heart is telling you like yo like this feeling is so profound i just need to say something yeah and i'd rather you know just shoot my shot then um then just leaving it be and not knowing what could have been but yeah don't dwell on it right right i'm a firm believer in that but there are even some friends of mine that are women that i've been like man what if what like what if we were something more than that you know or at least like what if we tried something and um but i it's like you get kind of um you 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 uh you restrain yourself too because it's like well i don't want to ruin i don't want them to like i don't want to be rejected yeah you know rejection yeah, fucking fear sucks. Of rejection like i get that like i like i said i have adhd and so i come off with a lot of energy i'm not always hyper a lot of people are like you're always hyper i'm like no i'm just energetic it's my personality i'm goofy and because of that people are like drawn back and they're like oh they don't give me the benefit of the doubt to date me. I'm like, I'm still a good person. Right. I just have a little more energy. And I understand yeah. how introverts work or like how people work most of the time. Like if you're an introvert, if I'm dating an introvert, I'll be like, hey, yeah, I'll give you space. Yeah. Like I dated an first introvert guy before and he was like, we work fine. Yeah, right. Until we broke up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to, let's do another one. Um, let's do it. Let's do a second one. Okay. Um, I'll pick this one. Yes. Fair. Um, okay, I'm, I'm so indecisive. I'll have to think about this. Nope. Um, never mind, you pick it. I can't okay. Decide. Fine. Fine. <laughs> All right, tell me a glimpse of hope. Oh, I usually go, this is my go to when I want to share my poetry. Glimpse of hope. Strip down to the nude, what am I to do? Piece by piece, you take me apart. Nothing left but a broken heart. Tears run down my face running this impossible race. Sometimes I think this is just a huge mistake. For some reason, I keep marching on. For some reason, even with this emptiness, there's a glimpse of hope. For now, I will just have to cope with my emotions, dissolve into the motions of the people around. Even when no one surrounds, listen to the sound of my mind. Go in and find the peace that's been missing for the longest time. Oh. What would you say, like, um, um, yeah, I guess, like, what what was your inspiration behind that? So I was just going through things. I was in recovery then from, like, depression and, exact, like, I was in an anxious moment at that time. And I thought, hey, so I'm struggling right now, but I do need to get better kind of thing. I mm-hmm. do for my life. Yeah. For other people, like my mother and my father who are great and my, my siblings too and my friends who are like they could get worried about me yeah and i don't want that because i don't want them to ask, like be like hey what's wrong or like be concerned yeah but 
I don't want it to just be like I'm fine too. Yeah, so and that and that is an inspiration when you are in that dark place when you think about the people that do care, um, the people, and you think about well, you know, I have a family, I have friends, okay. and you know, that's always encouraging. Um, I like because like in my like in in times where I've been in dark places like. Um, it's, it's really easy to think like, it's, it's easy to convince yourself that like the world is like all against you and that like you're in this rut and you're stuck there and it's hard to think yourself out of it. Cause like I'll get like such horrible, like anxiety sometimes where like, I'll just feel like I can't leave my house. I can't, oh, that's the word. yeah. Or like, I can't feel like I can like talk to anybody because I'm so, I'm such a like, you know, fiery ball of anxiety where like, I feel like anything I say is anything I say or do is going to be like the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, it's just, it, what always helps is just having a good conversation with somebody. That's always like a big glimpse of hope for yes. me. It's just having a good talk with somebody about, you know, what's eating away at you, or at least just expressing that, like, something is on your mind. When you can have somebody that you know is like, you know, there and present for you, that is willing to like, hear you out in that difficult time. Yeah. That always helps a lot, and that's that's always kind of been, I guess, my glimpse of hope. Like, kind of like venting, or just like having like a normal... Um, sometimes it, it can come off as venting, but yeah. it helps because like, it helps when someone else can relate to you. Like, oh, yeah. Like, also talk about like, you know, if something's been bothering them, yeah. or if they've been there before. Like, that's very comforting, um, because yeah. it makes you feel less alone. Yeah, I just I feel like it's just we. A lot of times we just feel very our depression, anxiety, mental health issues, what have you. We very easily feel alone because of it. So, but in reality, people who feel alone, I feel like like when I felt alone, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but when I felt alone, I realized my friends would be there for me and they'd be like, "Hey, I'm here for you," and mm -hmm. I'm like. Okay, I guess I'm not alone. But the anxious mind is the worst thing about anxiety. Saying, hey, I'm not alone. But the anxious mind says, yes, you are. What are you talking about? And you're like, this person hates you. Or when they really are great. Or, you know, it's a you know vicious I mean? cycle between depression and anxiety. Yes. Yeah, because oh yeah, like, the depression makes you feel like you're so alone. But the anxiety makes you feel like you really, really, really don't want to be alone. Yeah. And you feel like you can't be alone, but the depression just like holds you back and it's like, yeah. I don't know, it kind of prevents you from feeling like you can, you know, like uh, step out of it and everything. Um, it's vicious. It's very vicious. Definitely vicious. But it's just, I have been through so many depression stages that I'm just like, okay, I can handle it. I can. It's not that I can handle it. It's that I still seek help. Yeah. Oh, like if you're going through that stuff, seek help if you need it. Like yeah. if you feel you are needing it. Right. I'm a yeah like big advocate for that. Of course. Like if you can think yourself into something, you can think yourself out of it. Yes. Um, easier said than done. Easier, yeah, by all means. <laughs> yes. Very, 
Very much so. Um, and I think that um, past traumas are a huge component of it, which is kind of what makes our fear. Yeah. It, it's what sort of um, kind of it, it formulates a lot of our fears. It, yeah. it, it sort of um, instills them in our minds. And when we dwell on those fears or we feel they're imminent or something like that, that's when like um, it's it, that's when like our anxiety and depression can like really kick in and you can feel hopeless against it. Like yeah. I, I think my biggest fear in life is being alone is being a, is abandonment. Yeah. Um, that's a huge, when I, and I still have dreams about it almost like at least every other day, yeah. um, where like there's some kind of fear of abandonment or judgment that's, you know, subconscious. Now you're fine. Um, where it's like subconscious, um, I like it may not always be at the surface, but it comes out in my dreams, and I get reminded of it, and I'll often wake up from it and be like, "Man, like that still is like really, you know, like that's the shit I'm like fucking terrified of." Yeah. Um, night terrors and like nightmares yeah. with trauma, worst. Yeah. Night terrors, it feels like you're still there mm -hmm. and you're stuck. Yeah. Right, like you're in limbo. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, like when we feel like just helpless against those fears, it makes us not feel as uh, inclined to seek help. Yeah. Um, but, um, but it's great that you have a way to, like, I mean, I mean, everyone has their own outlet for it, but you have an outlet where you're using your your literally like vocalizing your feelings through yeah. words and passages and whatnot. So, um, so that all being said, um, like I know poems can be, they can be long, short in between, yeah. like poems come in all different sort of, um, in lengths and formats. How do you like, how do you know when a poem is done? It's just, it kind of comes to, it's like when you, you're like a period at the end of a sentence, like, you just know. It's like, my thought is out there, it's done. Complete sentence. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like... It's like, how do you know when a song's done? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it can be long, it can be short. Um, how does it help you, like, with curving? Because I know, like you said, you're ADHD. How do you feel like um, poetry is, like, a... Like, what's your, I guess, the relationship between having ADHD and doing poetry? Your mind races. With ADHD, with anxiety too, but with ADHD it's like, oh my gosh, and like there's so many thoughts um, that you just want to write them down, for me at least. And I just kind of just sit there, like I, I do take medication for ADHD so it helps. And um, so I just kind of put my thoughts down and I try to focus, sometimes I get it like, oh Facebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've never been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I always felt like I could have some, some amount of it, like because yeah. I can never, like I suck at focusing on things, but at the same time, like I've taken Adderall before, I've taken right. a Vyvanse before, and I remember taking it and just feeling, like Vyvanse, I remember made me feel super, super like euphoric. But yeah. Adderall made me feel like so irritable and angry and like yeah. it was awful. But I feel like the way, like my point is like, I didn't feel normal 
on either of those. Like, I, I didn't feel like how somebody with ADD or ADHD yeah. would feel um, once they're on that medication and stabilized, I guess. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, like, I, but at the same time, like, my mind is always racing too. Like, I can never just, like, sit and just, like, focus on and just, like, focus on what's in front of me, you know? Yeah. It's hard. Like, school was always hard for me. Studying, sitting down, doing homework still is. And it's just, like, some, so many teachers. Okay, so when I was little, I told them a miracle case. And I had low-functioning autism, Asperger's. And so I was old. I would never graduate high school or even college for that matter. I was told I'd never drive. I drove here. I just graduated college. One class left. You drove even. to get this. I drove to get this. Yeah. And I was told that I, so much, like I'd never live alone. I'd never do so much that I've achieved. And I proved them wrong, so. Mm -hmm. You did. The doctors and the therapists who were there for me, but still were like, no, you can't do that. Good for you. Thank you. So that all being said, um, that brings me to another uh, question. Yep. So autism is very stigmatized. Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about that because as you mentioned, like you have, like it's been a part of your life and um, I'm like, it's just, it's always been like stigmatized, like, you know, thinking about like, oh, there's something wrong with you or there's like, you know, that whole thing about, oh, like for one, like don't even get me started on the vaccines and all oh, this part. Like, no. it's just really fucking, not going to get started on that. I imagine like, it's just, it, it's just really fucking insulting. It is like people who are, no offense to anyone, people who are like, hey, I don't want my kid to have autism, so I'm not going to vaccinate them. You'd rather them dead than have autism? Right. Because, like, I mean, I, like, there's some of the most brilliant and creative people in the world have been. Albert Einstein, Thomas Jefferson, so on. Pretty sure Steve Jobs did, too. Oh, yeah, the guy who created Pokemon. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. And, like, um, so, that, so I guess, like, how do you feel like, um, it, like, you, with your experience with, like, autism, um, yeah, how, like, how do you feel like it's still, like, um, stigmatized against you, like, in society, and, but how do you feel like it also, um, you know, enables you to be a creative and be unique and everything? Sorry, I keep picking rainbows okay. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does it make me creative? It makes me have the experience from my past, from being bullied, from being, from being told I can't do things, from being limited, from barely having a childhood that's like the average person's. Like, I didn't have a true friend until I was 12. Shout out to Allie. Shout out Allie. <laughs> Check her out. Um, no, um, she does music too, but anyhow. Um, so basically, she was my first friend, and I didn't meet her at school while I was initially bullied. I met her at a camp. So since then, I was just like, yes, this is what friendship's like. Yeah, yeah. and we're still best friends to this day. Mm -hmm. And it's just so great. But the creativity comes from those experiences, from that almost trauma I had from bullying. That was my initial PTSD was from the bullying. Okay. 
and other things. And I do have poems written like, this is what it was like yeah. to have Asperger's. You know, I wrote one called The Beast. I wrote one called um, Near Typically or something. And, yeah. and it just brings it out a little more. Sure. Like gives me more ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I guess how do you like, how like, how do you respond to how like, you know, ha like having autism is stigmatized in, in society? Like when somebody says something ignorant about it. I stick up for myself. If someone's like, like one time this kid at my school, uh, what do you say? He was like, someone said something silly and, or stupid. There are better words than Like retard. it's an insult. Yes. Yeah. Like there are better words than retard and autistic. Like this guy was like, are you autistic? And I was like, yes, thank you. Don't say that to him because he's clearly not. Yeah. But I am. And you're saying that as an insult? Insults me. So please don't say that. And I got up and left. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it, I feel like when, I mean, it, it clearly like it, it, it gets equated to like being stupid or slow, yeah. um, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, like a lot of the most brilliant people in our, in, yeah. in history, like have had it. And, um, I, a, another good example, like something that's similar is how, when a guy like um is like i always thought this is so stupid yeah. but but it's like when i remember like growing up it's like when you would when like a, a guy would like have plans with his girlfriend instead of hanging out with his friends he'd be like oh you're hanging out with your girlfriend oh yeah. gay like, oh, yeah, I, it's, oh literally the, it's literally the opposite of being gay. Or like, yeah, like, gay also is stupid. No, just say stupid. Say right. silly. Say weird. Like, yeah. But these were But these were words that were just so, like, you know... Um, just, like, that, shot out there. Right. There were words that just got thrown around that, thrown were, around. that were equated um, to being something lesser or other. Yeah. Um, but the irony is that you're literally like the opposite of that. Um, so I, yeah, and I mean, like, I think it's just, I mean, like, it's awesome that, you know, you've turned those experiences, you know, whether it be, you know, growing up or your mental health experiences or things you still, you know, deal with day by day. Like, I think that the best way to do that is to turn it into a story. Yes, I agree. I actually have a poem, thinking of a poem now. Yes, all right, yeah, let's, we got a trifecta of poems out here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I almost forgot. Shout out to David Tompter, follow him on Instagram. Oh, yeah. He's the one who, who introduced me to High Five Studios, and I would have met this kid, so. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Great guy. Great guy, so nice. Yes. Um, okay, I'm trying to find it. All right, it's a little longer, Okay. but I can read that. Sure. <laughs> it's called Being Me. Someone once told me, since I'm on the spectrum, I'm not human. It's also believed, since I'm high-functioning, that I'm not autistic. People think it's ridiculous. They think less of me because it's hard for me to understand what they see. I can't even look them in the face without drifting my gaze to another place. Look at me, they say. Why do I have to beg for you to cooperate? Come on, Meg, why can't you think straight? You're so distracted, need to take action. But what am I to do when no one has a clue? No one gets it. I feel like I'm stuck in a pit. This pain is legit. 
The beast is my autism. My brain feels like an algorithm. Doctors trying to solve the math. I feel like such a lab rat. Pill after pill. I'm not mentally ill. Why can't they see? It's not a disease. I'm just being me. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, golf club. That was awesome. That was super dope. Thank I you. also love like your hand motions with that. I know. I just like mm, yeah, yeah. I get into it. Well, that was fan that was fantastic. Thank you. Um, okay. Hey Meg. Hey. I love your hat game. You know that. Thank you. You always have the greatest hats. Thanks. Um, I'm fedorable. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um. Uh, tell me what keeps you up at night. Okay. Well. My dog, she's a bed hog, so she has once kicked me off the bed and I got a wow. sprained shoulder. Jeez. And she's 14 pounds of fury. Holy fuck. Yeah, I know, right? It's a fucking aggressive ass hound. Oh, not even a hound, she's a cockapoo. Two bad words in one. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, sure. Well, uh, what puts you to sleep? Basically, just being exhausted. Like yeah. a long day. Sure. After that, I'm just done. I feel that. Um, a lot of times it's just. Work in your body until you can't work no more. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, so uh, follow Jem Roo on Instagram. G-E-M underscore R-E-W. Great. And uh, yeah, uh, you'll have to let us know if you're uh, doing any, um, any uh, poetry readings yes. or anything, if you're performing, because that would be dope. Yeah, I'll let you know. Fuck yeah. Yes. Um, and also... Embrace things that go on through your head and, you know, put them into words and, you know, like, uh, putting them out into the world, I feel like is a great way to feel less alone. Yes. So, um, keep that in mind. Thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.